Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I knew that it was going to take some time, that's for sure. I think that there was areas coming in that there was, you know, I just, uh, they weren't in a position mentally or physically to even compete for a playoff spot. And that you had to do a, a total reset with them. Um, and it's no fault of their own, it's just that they were a product of, of the environment. <laughs> and you had to change it, and they, they just didn't quite understand it. I mean, it was like it was like they had, like the Flames had their own way of doing it, and and uh, and that was the way it was going to work. But the rest of the league was pulling ahead of them, really clear. We weren't the team was not playing a way that that the way the league was playing. They got behind in that. You know, it's funny because the last two weeks everybody's. Not everybody, but there's a good portion of the media that are on the bandwagon with guys that are having career years, but they're the very same people that everybody said, you know, they should be thrown under the bus or get them out of town or they got to replace that player. It's the very same, right? So it just tells you. So you can't let that deal with it. So as a coach, you have to get in there and figure out, okay, how, do you, how can you help that player become a better player or change, become a better team player? That's so. That's what I looked at. It was a hard. It's a hard job, hard to do. Why? Because I was a Flames fan, and I'm in Alberta. I was watching lots of hockey and COVID. So, you know what? I, I didn't like the way they were playing. And what up, Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL. With your hosts, Raja Burry and Noah Eppleston. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. And all we needed was a coach. Yeah, literally. That's all it took. This is going to be like a love fest for Daryl Sutter. I have so many quotes I want to bring up because like, oh my God, this guy is literally just an absolute God bless him. God bless Daryl Sutter. I love him so much. He's our city's dad. Thank you for saving our franchise. Oh man. Actually, <laughs> like, where, where, where would we be without him though? Like, you know, you building. That's what I like to think about is, like, where would this team be without Daryl Sutter right now? Like, Tyler Toffoli wouldn't be a flame right now. No way Kelly Yarncroft would be a flame right now. We'd have Matthew Phillips probably playing on our third line right now. I mean, we'd be probably around the same record as the San Jose Sharks, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I was also told that Scotty Bowman wouldn't be able to coach this core. So that take aged beautifully. <laughs> Unreal. Like just what he's done. He just straight up, like even talked about this in his pressure yesterday. He was like, this team needed fixing. Like he straight up, like all he had to do was watch maybe three or four games while, like you alluded to over tags, just crushing beers during the yeah. pandemic, watching us play hockey, like, dear God, they need me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like he says, Calgary's his favorite team, right? And he was definitely just sitting at home, watching the games, hanging out, sitting there being like, wow, I don't not like to see my favorite team suck. I'm going to go change it. I'm going to go change it. And it's the it's the element of the fact that he straight up alluded to yesterday, just straight up like, oh yeah, no, there's there they had no foundation. Like I I needed to reconstruct them from the ground up, which is what he did. Yeah. And Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk, 
are a hundred point players, which like oh God, dude, teams kill to land one one guy who can produce at that level. Oh yeah. One guy. That's the whole point of the draft lottery. You're sitting there hoping and praying that your team is going to draft a guy that will carry your franchise. And we got both Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk on account of luck and the benefit of having shitty scouting departments within our division, external from our franchise. Like you're this was this is this is God's plan. You're telling me Johnny Goudreau in the fourth round. And then Matthew Kachuk, who should have gone quite literally three picks earlier. Thank you to Vancouver and Edmonton for uh, making your sweet, sweet picks in the 2016 draft. Dude, like, the fact that, like, Oilers fans think Jesse Pugliarvi is still, like, an upgrade. And I'm just like, are you guys even going to be able to keep him? Like, dude, why is Pugliarvi not even be an Oiler next year? <laughs> well, the rumors that he's getting shot. Like, yeah, like, like that age well. Nice draft pick, boys. Good, good. Yeah, one. exactly. Hey, Sea of Red, Raja here with a special announcement. I'm a brand ambassador for SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a mobile app that literally lets you buy tickets in the easiest way possible. I think their tagline is that they take the confusion out of buying tickets. Something like that. Use the promo code CFT to get $20 off of your first SeatGeek order. I'm talking sporting events, concerts. Remember, the promo code is C of T. Share it around, tell your friends, and go Flames Go. Seattle game, Johnny Goudreau hit 100. He's at 109 now, so that seems like old news. Um, yeah. But the fact that, you know, Going back to just real quickly, players with 100-point seasons in franchise history. Kent Nielsen did it twice in the early 80s. Joe Mullen, Mike Bullard, Theo Fleury did it twice. Bob McMillan, Hakan Lube, Al McInnes, Chouinard, and now Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Like, <laughs> and think of difference in hockey, too. Like, in the 80s and 90s, it was run and gun. The scores were like eight five nine six. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> checking league that it is now today. Just unbelievable to have two a hundred hundred point guys and one of them a forty goal scorer right now with the same same point and picks up fiftieth goal and a hundred points this season. And he joins a list of his own in that regard. The only players in franchise history with both 40-goal and 100-point seasons. Our boy Matthew, Theo Fleury in 91, Joe Mullen in 89, Hakan Lubin in 88, Mike Bullard in 88, and then Kent Nielsen in 81 and 83. Like, wow. like there's a separate... Oh, dude, I you don't understand how happy... <laughs> How happy I am watching hockey now. Holy. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And, and um, I mean, I really want Lindy to hit 40 as well. Lindy deserves I, a 40 goal. Dude, I hope he hits it tonight. Just yeah. shot on net against the Canucks. Be like, ah, how's your season going? Oh, yeah, it's over. Um, so um, when I woke up this morning, I uh, was scrolling through my phone. Dustin Wolf recalled from Stockton. Yeah. You think he's playing tonight? Uh, from what I have read from Pat, it seems like he is backing up Vladar. Okay. Giving, looks like they're giving Markstrom a full day of rest because he's not practicing today either, which you know what? He deserves. And um, what's it called? Daryl Sutter's rationale. This is actually – I'm glad you brought this up. This is like fresh. Um, yeah. Wes Gilbertson tweeted that um, – this was Daryl Sutter's rationale towards it. He's like, there are four or five days between games from his last start to his next one, so it makes sense to give him the break now. And I'm just like, cool. I mean, I don't think – we'll, we'll get into this. I don't think that our stars are going to get breaks. Like, our main core, I don't think anyone's resting. I think it's just load management on Marky. This isn't like previous years. They learned from previous years. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, I'd like to touch on that because I have seen people be like, hey, are we going to bring up uh, Peltier and, and uh, like whoever else, like Phillips, guys like that, are they going to get a chance to get in the lineup at the end of the year here? And I said, honestly, no, they're not, because we did that in 2019, and look at how it ended for us in the first round. The team clinched first in the West. A bunch of players got rested before the playoffs, and they came in and weren't ready to go. They weren't ready for a grueling seven-game series. They took their foot off the gas at a time when their opponent was pressing every single night just to get in. Exactly. The there, there's yeah, like they 100 and I mean Kachuk and Gaudreau and even Daryl, they've alluded to it multiple times, saying yeah, that's not the goal here. Uh, yeah, we learned from that, and Matthew is the first person that straight up said that. Like, imagine Matthew Kachuk at our age in 2019, <laughs> our age currently, when in 2019, just being like, why are we coasting? No, this is not good. And then you get slapped by Colorado. And then you're like, okay, maybe we should never coast again. And yeah. also having a, a, an actual coaching system in place would have helped too. But that's, that's a different conversation for another day. Yeah, oh, we quite a bit. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the load management for Marky, I do like to see it. Um, before like it's not the last two games of the year because I really don't want to see him going in cold either I am perfectly cool with 78 79 games left and giving him a game or two where he can literally just not come to the arena or just sit up in the press box you know what I mean I am totally cool with that but if you're sitting him in game 82 of the year that's a little different story where as you know, he still need like, yes, he needs rest. And I agree with that, but he still also needs to be feeling the game and in his groove, which sitting him for the rest of the season will not do that. I'm wondering, so we have Vancouver tonight, Nashville on Tuesday, Minnesota on Thursday, and then Winnipeg on Friday to wrap up the season. Um, I'm wondering, so we know Vladar is starting tonight. Yeah, I wonder if Marky takes the Nashville game because it's a playoff preview. Mm-hmm. Because Vladar took the game in Nashville earlier this week, so I right. wouldn't be shocked if Daryl's like, "You two are my tandem. You guys both get looks against Nashville because that's who we're facing in round one, most likely." Yeah. Um. I I wonder if Marky takes the Nashville game, and then if he takes the Minnesota game on Thursday, or if Vladar goes back-to-back, which I doubt. Um, I think if I were to bet or take a guess on who's starting these last four, we know Vladar's in tonight. I'm going to go with Markey on Tuesday against Nashville, yep. Markey against Minnesota on Thursday, and then Vladar against Winnipeg on the second half of the back-to-back to close out the year. I think, yeah, I mean – I think they might go Vladar tonight, Marky against Nashville, Vladar against Minnesota, and then Marky against Winnipeg to close the year. Um, That's actually just to give, to give Vladar another look against a playoff team. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that might be what we see, but then again, who really knows with Daryl, right? Marky could play all three of those games on the back end. You never really. Um. Like, the way I see it, hypothetically, let's say that our series with the Predators starts on May 3rd. Yep. Hypothetically, let's say Markstrom played in Minnesota and then got Winnipeg off. Technically, he would have one, two, three, four full days of uh, quote-unquote break prior to game one. Which, yeah. And he's um, getting what? How many days of rest from... This Vancouver game? Uh, four to five. Four to five. So that's almost, yeah, like two full weeks. Yeah, almost the equivalent. And I mean, like Daryl alluded to it, you know, this whole thing of you guys putting a lot of emphasis on, oh, who's drawing in and who's sitting and, oh, is anyone getting called up? That's the habit 
of a fan base and or media team that's been supporting a team with no success. And he straight up alluded to that in his thing. He's like, no, you understand that this is a different ball game. I'm here now that none of that shit is going to fly because we don't need it. We're gearing up for some serious hockey. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, that's something that the fan base has become accustomed to. And you can really tell with the goaltending talk, like all year, he needs a rest. Murky needs a rest. Daryl, Daryl knows what he's doing out there. Like he does things for a reason. And I'm sorry, but you 14 year old kid typing on your phone, sitting in the bathroom, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, man, I, it's just, not Daryl do what he's, do what he fucking does because he knows what he's doing. Like, uh, just, it, it's just like, it's crazy. Like, Listening to Daryl talk, dude, every time this guy opens his mouth, I'm just like, here's the key to the city. Do you want to be mayor? You can be mayor. Do you want to be prime minister? You can be prime minister. I'll vote for you. Like, like what? Like, uh, just he brought newfound life into this franchise and he's getting us out of mediocrity. Like no matter what happens in the playoffs this year, right? Mm-hmm. He's back again next year, at least. We're sitting here talking about something that could be a legitimate fundamental shift in how this franchise is run, how we're perceived by the rest of the league. Yeah. Um, what he's doing for us is absolutely, like, it's it's God's work. Like, I got yeah. what Daryl Sutter. Like, seriously. It, it really you could talk about it forever because just the honest product from when he picked this team up last year to where it is now. Are you kidding me? Dude, it's a, he looked at this team and was like, okay, here are like, I am never, ever, ever going to make the mistake again of downplaying an acquisition. Because if I, from in previous years, you acquire a guy, for example, like, Oh, I don't know. Brett Ritchie, right? You sit there and you're like, okay, but what's his use to this team if there's no fundamental structure here? You watch Brett Ritchie this season. He's an above replacement level NHLer. Yes. As much as people want to come in and, you know, give their two bits, like, oh, I don't like Brett Ritchie, oh, whatever. He's an above replacement level NHLer this season under Daryl Sutter. Eric Branson is an above replacement level NHL defenseman and a shot blocking machine. Might I add, if you want to see how good of a coach Daryl Sutter is, go and pull up Erica Branson's card from last year with the Ottawa senators, and then pull up his one from this year with the Calgary Flames. If that doesn't scream Jack Adams right there, I don't know what the hell does because Mm. Erica was one of the worst defensemen in the NHL last year. And him and Zadorov have formed an absolute power of a pairing. Yeah. Like, what a thought. No, like, Kate, like Zadorov, we acquire Zadorov in a trade, yep. like the day of free agency. And everyone's like, oh, what? Like, yep. what is going on here? Because even Zadorov's like, for guys that are, you know, big on analytics and, you know, scoring effect trends and whatnot. Zadorov wasn't like, wow. He's not the type of defenseman that thrives when the overall system in place and the team he's playing for is just out of whack. He needs a legitimate structure. And Nikita Zadorov's wins above replacement level this season is close to 80. Yeah. What it was last year in Chicago, 16. Like, there it is right there. He took two guys that were on the brink of becoming the seventh D-man and flying between the AHL and the NHL, and they've made them into solid NHL players. Zadorov and Goodbranson might be two of my favorite players on this team. I love that pairing. I, like, like, I love them. They go out, they do literally anything. And I'm just like... <laughs> it's literally a brick wall. 
It's a brick wall as your third pairing that is impossible to break through. I mean, like, you take, remember, like, in 2019, Zadorov was on the Avalanche when they slapped us. Yeah. And do you remember, like, our top six, they did not want to get into corners. Zadorov was, like, he amped up his game when it mattered. And I can't wait to see what Zadorov and Gidbranson are going to be capable of in terms of stirring up the emotion come playoff time when the whistles go down. Because, holy. (laughs) Anybody going into the corners when that pairing is out there is going to leave bruised and battered every single time. Zadorov in the playoffs, he loves to throw his body around. I'm just picturing like Zadorov in the playoffs is just Andre Kasha part. How many? <laughs> <laughs> like just pick pick your target on the Predators. Like as they're chanting the whole Markstrom, it's all your fun. They just comes and clobbers somebody that gets the entire stadium to just shut up. Please, that would be peak. <laughs> um, Do you want a little bit about the uh, the game we clinched with? That was the game we were about to play the Coyotes at home, but then the Oilers did us a favor. Right. A, a, a favor, in a sense, as if we weren't going to clinch anyway. I love how everyone was like, oh, I'm cheering for the Oilers today. Why? <laughs> uh, did you not see the 9-1 scoreline at the end of the Coyotes game? We were getting in anyways. <laughs> well, I would like, like to talk about the game a little bit, though, because – I can't believe the Coyotes are playing at ASU next year. Like, what the hell? Like, that's going to be must-watch TV. When the Flames are in Arizona next season, watch Party at My Place. That's going to be an absolute joke. Oh, yeah, it is. Ticket <laughs> prices for it? Ridiculous. Nobody's yeah. going to Nobody's going to go. Dude, like, it's absolutely pathetic. And, I mean, we thumped them 9-1. We the we want ten chants started coming out again. Yep. I never thought that we'd ever hear those chants come out twice in a span of a month, but here we are. And um, the game started terribly. Arizona scored thirty seconds in. Nick Ritchie, <laughs> and I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And I just want to give a shout out to Elliot Friedman on the Hockey Central panel because when that happened and they're shitting talking in the intermission. You have all the other panelists like, oh, they got slapped by Vegas 6-1, which hypothetically you can look at however you want to look at. I have my own opinion about how why that game went the way it did. But they're like, oh, they just lost to Vegas 6-1, and now they're down one nothing to the Coyotes. What's going on in Calgary? And Elliot Friedman's just looking at them like, have you bozos not seen anything that they've done this season? Yeah. Like they're not that's they're not the same fragile systemless group that they've been the last eight years. Like yeah. and then what did the flames do? They come out in the second and they prove the entire panel wrong. And I'm sure Elliot was just sitting there smiling. Dude, I love Elliot Friedman. I hope one day we can get him on this on this channel. But yeah, four goals in three minutes and eleven seconds, right? That seems good. Right? Is that good, Noah? I think that's good. Uh, it seems okay. <laughs> I literally did not sit down for the opening of that period. Like I just kept standing. I look like yeah. I look like that guy from Grown Ups who like broke himself when the, like the giant cast like this. I was yeah. like, like like I forgot his name. I think it was like Wiley or something. You yeah, know, Wiley. Like, yeah, I just I was literally like this for the first three minutes of that period. Just like, yep, 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 yep. This is happening. Oh, it man. was. It was- I think we had what six goals in the second period. That is correct. Yeah, like just unbelievable. Like, <laughs> I, dude, and the thing that was amazing too was uh, in 2004, the Flames clinched their playoff spot with a one nothing win over the Coyotes. So, low key, part of me wishes that Edmonton just did not win earlier in the afternoon so that a 9-1 victory would have just 
And then you can make that connection. Oh, oh, four. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The four. Yeah. Um, like, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And I love how Oilers fans were DMing me, like, you're welcome. I'm like, do you not know how the standings work? Yeah. Like, and what are you talking about? You're welcome. Like, it's unbelievable. Oh, man. Let's just. That was so jokes. I was like, oh, wow, they actually feel like they did it. They actually thought that they did us a favor. I was like, this is actually adorable. Like, this isn't even, like, what? <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, we clinched the division now. So, first wildcard team, whoever it is, it's likely Nashville. Whoever it is, though, we're ready for you. Can't wait to see you. And I have a feeling that we might start on May 3rd just because if they're going to give Calgary and Nashville a game every two every two days or so, I think they would want to give Calgary the Saturday slot for Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, for sure. They yeah. want to include a Canadian team series in there. So I just – I don't know. Like I – another team that's really been heating up now is Edmonton too. They're, they are – um, they pretty much manhandled the Avs last night. I watched a bit of that game. That's something a little scary. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, I would I, I would love 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 a round two battle of Alberta. Tell me yeah. that wouldn't be the most fun series yeah. ever. Oh my god, that would literally like you want to talk about the red model? Forget 04. Forget 2015. If the Flames and Oilers meet in round two, the Red Mile is going to be the best it's ever been since it's been conceived as a concept. So I'm really, really, uh, I guess, hoping that happens. But I'm also a little like on the skeptical side because of how well Edmonton is playing lately. I could see that one honestly going a seven. I I, I really could. I'm Dude. I'm not. Everybody knows I the Oilers, but I'm putting a lot of respect on them coming into these playoffs. Mike Smith is turning back the tables here and uh, turning back time pretty much. I don't know how, but apparently he is. And the thing is, is like after Edmonton beat Vegas that Saturday to help us, help us clinch, um, I was like, oh, Mike still has feelings for <laughs> He does, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Like, this man just decided to be a wall at an interesting time. And I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like just a round two battle of Alberta would absolutely – not only would it blow up the province internally with the amount of hatred on social media that's going to be going back and forth. Well, it's going to be more than social media. I will Dude, probably be- – Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, Noah, I can't get into the game. Why not? There's a fight near the west entrance. Police block the entire thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to go around. It's like, oh, just I'm so excited for the playoffs, dude. And, I mean, I'm going to be actually very interested to see how the Kings fare against the Oilers. I know. Just because the Kings are sneaky good. Like, they are. They they made the right moves in their off season and their young guys that are up are deadly. Like they're, they're sick hockey players. Yeah. That's the thing um, is Oilers fans are like, keep sleeping on us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nobody's really sleeping on you. We know the power they have. It's just the fact that if you're going to put it all together at the right time, the Kings are a team that people are sleeping on because every single time the flames have played the Kings this year, they have given us a run for our money. Dude, the Kings, every time we played them this year, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, the Kings are, like, They're good. Shit. They're good. Like, wow. Yeah, 100%. And, like, I just think that, you know, I don't – I think it's just the overall insecurity of the Oilers fan base comes through when they're like, oh, we're underrating you. It's like – have you watched Sportsnet recently? No one's underrating you. <laughs> I mean, Oilers fans are so delusional to me. I just, I don't get it. They, 
It, all I'm saying is if it does come to it and it's a Battle of Alberta round two, oh, my God. I'm going to need to buy one of those, like, permanent, like – Yeah, one of those, like, permanent, like, tacked-on, like, ECG monitors. So, at, like, <laughs> every two seconds, I'm just like <laughs> – Yeah, literally. <laughs> it's, it's, that, like, think about it. That series would be ultimate bragging rights, man ultimate bragging rights like you're sitting here like whoever wins that series is allowed to talk shit for the next five years for years minimum minimum like if we don't want to bring up the gretzky cups like this is like we're talking modern era guys this would be the modern head to head let's do it like no gretzky no theo flurry no lanny mcdonald the modern day flames versus (laughs) Dude, can you imagine in that that like a hypothetical series with Edmonton, how psychotic that shit would be? You think Matthew Kachuk isn't gonna go taking runs at everyone? Like oh. the dude is. Can you imagine round two playoff Matthew Kachuk against our biggest rival? Dude, in Zadorov and Goodbranson and Lucic. Like I'm sorry, but the Oilers don't have the physicality to keep up with us. What is Zach Cassian going to do? He's going to end up in a freaking insane asylum before round one ends. He's going he's gonna to jump Kachuk again, and Oilers fans are going to say that he turtled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, you know, when, you're, when a goon, a straight-up goon, is just absolutely jumping a 22-year-old superstar, that is uh, – that after two clean shoulder checks, might I add. Yeah. You're just that's turtling. Okay, looks like you have different (laughs) definitions. Like, what you're just getting caught with your head down and you're mad about it. Like, Like, I'm (laughs) sorry that he exposed you twice. Like, yeah, (laughs) like the absolute psycho then goes and starts beating the living pulp out of him. And I was like, what is going on? Like, congratulations, (laughs) You, you take your suspension. No one like Matthew did not need to fight him. Man. He did Matthew. not need to fight him after he came back to like he did not have to, but he did because yeah, Matthew Chuck is a stud. That's why. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this these playoffs, they're gonna be electric. So much fun to watch. I'm so excited for these playoffs. And uh hopefully we can end Vancouver's season tonight. How about that? Especially after the uh the rate of the comment section after uh they beat us, you know, that little beef uh, and then back. But it uh, would just so be nice to uh, have them pull out their golf clubs and see you later. That was so pathetic. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on Chase Claypool, dude. Like, uh, I, I know. yeah, like that was, that was so pathetic on so many levels. It's like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, they don't they don't deserve. They they cut like. No, just take your L. It wasn't it wasn't in the cards since the start of the year. You had a nice push near the end. And I feel like if any Canucks fans approach this video, they're gonna start rating the comment section. Well, hello. How are you? Have a good day. Yeah, and you don't care what type of game it is either. Doesn't matter if Vancouver is fighting for their lives right now and we've already clinched the top of the Pacific. We're still expecting to win this game tonight, right? I mean you don't that's just the way. Yeah, like you don't take your foot off the gas. That's no. these four games are your final corrections, right? Your final tweaks. You're putting everything that you've worked for all year in all together. You're bringing it all together, and hopefully, we see a good on ice product in these last four games because they are going to mean a lot, confidence wise, heading into the playoffs. Facts. And what interests me is a lot of the guys on Twitter too. They're always like, "Oh." Um, they're like, yeah, Johnny Goudreau has 109 points, but we're going to wait for the playoffs. Matthew Kachuk has 100 points. We're going to wait for the playoffs. Do you not see that they've been playing playoff hockey literally all the year? Yeah. Their structure has been playoff hockey all season. I hope you guys understand that. Like, Oh, don't worry. They'll, they'll see you it, once it comes to the first round. Dude, I... <laughs> And even when we lost in a shootout 
yeah, shootout to Nashville. Um, I saw a whole bunch of comments where it's like, yeah, Preds in six. Yeah, Preds in five. It's like, okay, you'll see. There's no shootout come playoff time. There's no bitch calls by the refs come playoff time. God, the refing in that game was atrocious. You'll, Lord. you'll see. Yeah, like I – I just want to take the fight to Nashville. I want to take their stupid chant, and I want to start it up game one at the Dome. Soros. Yeah. Soros. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. I'm... It's all your fault. <laughs> go, like, dig it in. Someone copy and paste the chant. Put it on the Jumbotron. Nashville won't be expecting it. They'll be like, oh, my God, the Calgary fan base is more psychotic than we are, which we are. And we also know more about the game. So thank you very much. But, like, just from day one, take their mind games, start it here. Be like, Marky, this is what you're going to be hearing over there. We're going to give the same sort of treatment to UC Soros. Um, Another thing is, too, like, if you take a look at the Nashville Predators, like, record – um, since the All-Star break, they are barely above 500. Really? Record-wise. They were like 15, 14, and 5 like since the break, according to Sportsnet. I could be wrong, but it was something around that metric. And ah. I, like, I'm not one to sit and be like, oh, like the Predators might be falling off or whatever, but – there has been a significant reduction in their play since the all-star break. Um, and even then, like their scoring effect trends, like I've always alluded to earlier, they're not a team that keeps pushing. Yeah. Basically when they're in situations where it's either tied or they're down when they're tied, they play the game, to force OT, they don't effectively keep, you know, getting up on the shot rate so that they can try and win at the end of 60 minutes. Right. They're a team that when they're logistically defeated, they don't really have much of a battle back. And that has to do with a lot of, that has to do with their coaching. Like John Hines, like, I'm sorry. Like the coaching matchup is Daryl Sutter and John Hines. Like, yeah. Like I'll, I'll let the viewers put two and two together there, but I, I don't, I don't think the Nashville Predators are as big of a threat as what, you know, people like to allude to. I think their main X factor is, again, UC Soros. And if you can find a way to get Soros off of his game, I don't see a world in where Calgary loses that series. And I'm going to knock wood right here, but hypothetically – like just looking at you know the trends of both of their seasons this year and how they play structurally and just overall like roster makeup, like it, it's going to be a fun first round, I think, because it will be. Nashville is a very hostile building to be playing in. Don't don't act like the dome isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be alive either, because I've been in that place during the playoffs, and holy crap, is it loud! I remember being in in 2015 uh, when I was 14. Eddie, <laughs> just that was that was like one of the highlights of my childhood, dude. Oh like, yeah. Um, um, the three things with Nashville to me are UC Soros, as you alluded, um, very good goaltender. He has the ability to steal hockey games with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can yeah, get him off his game, that is huge for this team. Roman Yossi, another one, a guy that's could still put up a hundred points as a defenseman in the NHL in this day and age. Um, and Philip Forsberg, those three guys, they're going to be the difference makers for Nashville in that series. If they come to play and all three of them show up, the flames could have their hands full. They really could. I'm not saying that it'll be an easy series whatsoever. I'm just saying that like matchup perspective and like looking at pretty much any sort of like statistical trends that you've seen this year, Calgary, like we're the favored team to come out of that series. Oh yeah. Um, I don't, I don't see a lot of people 
except for the ones that like to stay cynical thinking that it's going to be another first round exit for us. I don't think that's the case this year. And no, I, I'm, I'm just very excited for this thing to get started, dude. Like I think the game on Tuesday also will be a, another fun game to watch because it'll be the last meeting between like before we see them if for real. And like, that's a measuring stick game, right? Like it is. And and I'm going to touch on even the game last week when we played them, like everyone was saying like, Oh, flames played a bad game. It's like, okay, let's think about this for a bit. Nashville got absolutely slapped by the blues. I think it was just prior to them, you know, prior to us visiting. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the second half of a back to back and it took, I guess, a period and a half for our legs to come in. But hypothetically, you take a look at just the heart that that Flames group just matched up with. Like, we're down by two. Okay, Manjapani, what does he do? He goes into the dirty areas near the paint, which is, A, where you're going to be scoring come playoff time. Nothing is going to come easy. It's going to be a grind. He's going to have to accept getting checked in front of the net multiple times. And he's a guy that doesn't shy away from that. I think watching that game, it was almost like watching the Flames' B game against Nashville's A game. It was. That's that's how I saw it. I don't know about you. but No, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I did see, and I actually chatted with a bunch of people that said, this is this was one of the worst games I've watched all year. Blah blah blah. Uh, Flames fans like saying this is one of the worst games that I've watched all year and whatnot. And I had to go in and I, I said seriously, that's one of the worst games that you've watched this year. It's playing on a back to back. They go down early. They go down two in the third period. They claw their way back into a tight checking hockey game, and they steal a point in a shootout where a shootout is not going to happen in the playoffs. You're telling me that's terrible. I think you got your definitions wrong because that is a gutsy comeback in a tough building to play in against a pretty good hockey team on the day of a back-to-back. It just, yeah, like it was a shit ton of heart, man. Like that's, it wasn't even... You can't tell me that game was a bad game of hockey from us. You just can't. Like, that – like, we clearly did not watch the same game, if that's what you're saying. Like, I don't – and I I just want to say, like, the PTSD that still exists within some fans in this fan base, it's not even PTSD anymore. It's just stupidity. It's like, hey, can you stop being cynical? Like – Yes, exactly. Like, this isn't – here to have faith in this team we don't need to think about years past anymore this isn't the amateur coaching carousel this isn't shitty goaltending this isn't a lack of depth scoring everything is here everything is laid out on the ice in front of you every night and we've seen it we're sitting at 106 points right now like i'm sorry but this is we're probably going to end up finishing with the having the second best regular season in franchise history points wise. I mean, a win tonight and we surpass 1819. I mean, we finished 1819 with 107. Have I mean, some faith, have some faith in your hockey team. Like I just want to point out Dan Vladar. I love you, bro. If you see this, just you're an absolute beauty. His quote after the game in Nashville, I think we showed them that to be honest, they don't want to play us. It was two nothing. They maybe thought it was going to be an easy game, you know? And all yep. of a sudden we have those bulldogs in front and they just score. Bro, this kid is I dude, I love Daniel Vladar. Like seriously. And he, he was so good in that national. Oh, he was, was unbelievable. We have the best tandem in the league. I expect the same out of him tonight. I think he's going to have a great game against Vancouver. I'm going to point something out. One of my uh, colleagues at the win column, his name is Kareem. 
great guy. Uh, he organized Jacob Markstrom's save percentage in relation to the days that he has in between games. Yeah, I saw this. Broke it down. And you take a look at Markstrom's save percentage when he has two or three days in between games. 9-2-2 and 9-3-5. That's going to be – that's a playoff schedule right there. It is. And you take a look at his save percentage on days when he has a lot of rest or maybe, I don't know, sitting a little longer than he should. And those numbers aren't 9-3-5. I'll just – They aren't. Down. So I hope that that puts an end to the whole – Oh my God, we're overplaying him. When if anyone remembers from training camp, the goal since the start of the year, and Daryl Sutter alluded to this, was to have Jacob Markstrom start within the 62 start range. Yep. This is on schedule. This isn't anything that's different than what was like this has been the set plan since day one. Like, why are people blowing their wads? Oh, Raja, I know, I know. Like, the, the, the resting goalie thing is something that boils my blood every time it gets brought up because people truly don't understand how this league works and how the players work and how the coaching staff works. But there's nothing you can do about it. People are going to continue to say that Marstrom needs to rest, that he needs to sit because playoffs are coming. If you want to see how he does with lots of rest, go look at that article and you will see his numbers on lots of days of rest. Like, Markstrom is like guy. He needs to be locked in. He needs to get game time. That's the way he is. Like, in general, give me one goalie that actually thinks that way. You can't. They don't exist. They don't. They don't exist. Look around the league. Does a goalie want to sit for five days without playing. No, they don't. The, no. And like the psychology of being a goaltender, a lot of fans just won't understand it. They think that, no. oh, just because someone's injury prone doesn't mean that they're made of glass. It's not like, oh, my God, I made a pad save. There goes my groin, like 17, 18 Mike Smith. Yeah, exactly. That was such a bad injury. Oh, my God. Now that I'm remembering that, that actually made me so depressed after watching that game. Oh, my God. But, like, just in general, I have never been more bought in before a playoffs in my life. Yeah. In my life. I'm literally going into the playoffs this year with actual expectation to do damage. Yeah. And that is something that we haven't had. No, we haven't. Um, like, yeah, man, this team should be ready to go for game one, dude. Like, we we're, we're we're division champions, and it's funny. I don't know if you saw this, but Tim and friends. I keep wanting to say Tim and Sid, and then I realized Sid went to work in breakfast television. But um, on Tim and friends, they like posted a little graphic that was like, "Oh, the Flames are the only Canadian team in the last decade to win the division twice." Then I thought about it, and I was like, first and foremost, I just want to preface this. I was, like, tired as hell. So I was like, oh, that's a good stat. I'll post it. I post it. And then, like, three minutes after I post it, I was like, wait, the Habs won the Atlantic in 2015 and in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. So, no, we're not the only Canadian team to do it. But thank you for thinking of us. Or Or like Scott Lang would say in Marvel movies. Thanks for thanking of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys want to check out how dominant Johnny Goudreau is, head, in, head over to the win column because I just posted an article yesterday comparing Goudreau's season to the best in franchise history. You're going to find some pretty, pretty, pretty attractive. Oh my God, I can't even talk. Attractively disgusting. Attractively, is that even a word? No, it's not. Let's just go with beautiful. You're going to see a lot of beautiful comparisons, okay? So head over to the win column. I promise I write better than I talk. That was absolutely atrocious on my end. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good article. But, yeah, no, like, that was just digging into it was really fun. I'm going to do one on Kachuk. I'll post it. Yeah, awesome. Next week as well because I got to give credits to both my boys. And also, 
the Gaudreau family, I just want to say, you guys are the most wholesome people on Twitter. Really? Oh, yeah. Johnny Gaudreau's mom has liked literally every single one of my tweets. Anytime yep. I say anything remotely, just anything revolving around hype towards her son, Johnny, and our boy, she yeah. likes the tweet. And I'm just like, this family is so wholesome. Like, they are. Yeah. Walk they're, them up here, please. Yeah, they're, they're a great hockey family. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else there is more to say other than uh, go Flames go, right? Like, Dude, like this is, this is just a special year. And I just want to say that if you're – one of those fans that is or that has been watching this season and still revolving back to negative tendency. Like, I don't know how to help you. That's my first point. Second point, enjoy this while it lasts. We don't know what next season could look like. We don't. So. So yeah, stop thinking about the negatives. Think about the positive because as Roger said, you don't know what's in the future, but you do know what's here right now. And they got a chance to do something here. So let's end it off with a Daryl quote. After clinching the division title, he said, this team deserves it. They've been the most consistent team in the division and deserve to win the division regular season. I've won lots of them. Then he pointed to the roof and he said, it goes up there and you get nothing for it. Yep. Exactly. Go flames. Go. Go Flames, go. I mean, that's it. They, it goes, yeah, you get your banner in the ceiling. And after that, it means nothing. I'm hyped for the red lot, though. That's going to be sick. It'll be really good. It's fun. So, yeah, if you guys liked our content, or if you like this video, feel free to check out our other content. Leave a like, subscribe. There's more of this where we came from. We're pretty cool people. And I don't know if you could tell from the last, like, I don't know, close to an hour of how long we've been talking, but we're also kind of knowledgeable. So a little bit. Give us a watch. It'll mean a lot. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening, buddy.